Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Logan and Ozzy here with the Triangle Anime and Manga Review Podcast. Uh, Ozzy, you've been all over creation. First, you went to Animazement. Yeah. And then, then you went to Pennsylvania. Then yeah. you went across the Spider Verse. No, then, I, I did not, but I did watch the movie. So, and, uh, but you also went across the Spider Verse, and did. you also went to Animazement. I know, I, I do. We've been on a quite a journey, but we're back here now, and we're here yes. to talk about anime. So. I mean, really quick, we didn't put this on our calendar. Uh, you want to talk about Animazement? What was your yeah. big disappointment there? Big disappointment. Uh, we didn't get into Waifu Wars. That's a pretty big disappointment. Um, but uh, that was not going to happen. They needed a, they need a bigger room for that. They really do. They, 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 that, that's a one complaint. I think that's my biggest complaint. But um, no, we did go to Animazement on Memorial Day weekend, which was just a few weeks ago. I think two or three weeks ago. Um, and um, as always, I think that's our maybe fifth or sixth year. Um, and yeah, we had a good time, I think. Um, we had a decent amount of panels that we went to, some good, some okay. Um, had some good luck at the merch shop, bought a few shirts. Uh, you did, I think you bought a Kirby hat. And I, and, yeah, and, got a Kirby bucket hat. I yeah, think it's over there. It's pretty nice. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Um, went with our buddy Kevin, who uh, has done some podcasts with us before, and uh, we had a good time. We, we really enjoyed just getting a whole full day full of weebs and smells and uh uh, cool, like uh, I guess panels where we can geek out and get the nostalgia, right? Yep. I mean, it had everything we wanted except bochi figurines. So. That is true. I tried to find some bochi um, a merch, and I couldn't find anything because um, I, you know, that's my anime of the last year. And I will shout out that they had uh, what was the name of it? Um, oh God, what is the name of that podcast? Podcasters that that did a couple uh, stuff. Uh, Man, I forgot. I'm sorry. But they had really good uh, panels, and they did a 2022 uh, wrap-up. And Bochi made one on their list as one of the best of the year, and I agree. Um, I think it is the best of the year. One guy said Birdie Wing was one of the best of the year. That was a strange choice. That was a strange choice. But uh, overall, had a good time, right, Logan? You you agree? Oh, yeah. Anything that stood out to you? I had a good time. That's pretty good. Uh, I, I liked everything. I actually didn't have any complaints about the history this year. I mean, that is true. They did present. You've triggered before. They presented it pretty accurately. It was just incredibly boring. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was that one guy who was into history, and it was kind of yeah. Boring. Everything they said was technically correct, and they were just boring as fuck. It was technical. Yeah. And that's it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. But um, yeah, that was it. And then uh, kind of to continue on your point that you also mentioned is uh. Another big thing that we both did uh, separately this time was uh, we watched the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse movie. Is that correct? Yes. Now, this one I'm excited to talk about. I'm not like I wasn't excited to talk about animation. But, yeah, uh, Across the Spider-Verse is probably the best movie of the year so far. Um, I I will have to agree. Yeah, uh, I'm actually – there's a lot of movies coming up this summer. I don't know if anything off the bat – pops out besides Oppenheimer uh I want to see that in IMAX right I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see the, that but um yeah it's it is definitely the best one I've seen I'm I'm very happy with it um we're gonna have I guess non-spoiler talk before we get into spoiler talk so I, I was very impressed with what they did the way they blended the art styles the way they brought in all the characters nobody felt felt forced in Everybody kind of fit, and they, the story kind of merged together very well. Like, you got a good feel for every single character that was involved in the story. And kind of the stakes at all the different levels. Because it's not just about, you know, the 
big, terrible thing, there's stakes for the villain, and there's stakes for, you know, Miles' family, and there's stakes for Miles being with his friends. And so, like, even though, obviously, it's a Marvel movie, and there's going to be, like, some world-ending scenario, I mean, it's not just about that. It's like everybody's kind of got their own stakes in the movie. And I will say, like, the other thing that I really took away... It, it was a long movie. It did not feel that long. Yeah, it was. It flew by. I was like, "Wow." Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. That that was a big a big point that I when I first got to the theater, my buddies kind of already knew it. They're really big into superhero movies, so they knew what was coming. They knew the post credit scene was going to happen at a certain time. They knew. They even knew that it was a two parter, and that is something I did not know. Um, um, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be good. I can't wait. It's gonna be two and a half hours." I'm like, well, "Excuse me, what? Like this is an animated like Spider-Man movie. I don't think it needs to be more than two hours or even close to that." But I understand why. And yeah, you're right. It didn't feel that. It didn't feel long at all. Not not at all. At one point, did I say it could have ended here and it would be better for it? One complaint that I had, and I wonder if you feel the same way. When the song, when this movie came in, uh, I guess minor spoilers because it's like the first part of the movie. When the movie came in, I feel like they mixed the sound in correctly because I could barely hear, you know, uh, Gwen talking over her drumming. And I was like, I feel like they could have bumped up the voice sound. Oh, the mixing? Bit. Yeah. Just the mixing? <laughs> uh, might have been the theater because I didn't have a problem. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't make note of that. Um, I know that... Uh, it was kind of meant to be kind of chaotic, but I didn't make a mental note that, oh, this mixing sounds weird, which so things like that do bother me. When I can't hear things well, it does kind of come out to me. So I don't know if it was just kind of a blip in your showing, but my showing was fine. All right. So I guess our non-spoiler recommendation is go ahead and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really get to go deep into it, but just off the top... It's very rare that I have a movie where I don't have a complaint about, and this one is one of them. I, I honestly just can't find a complaint. I, I, a lot of times, and maybe this is just me being a complainer, but I like to kind of look at things and be like, you know what, what could have been better? Not that I have a better idea, not that I'm better than who made whatever piece of art. It's just, what did I not like? You know, what did I like? Just to kind of look at it holistically and say, you know, I think this was done well, or I think this was not done as well. And I think that's I, – I like doing that. And I could not come up with anything solid for this movie that was just not done well. And then um, it, it made me, like, just want to watch it again. It, it's rare that I have movies like that, um, especially superhero movies because superhero movies are a dime a dozen. You get them all the time. We, we're in a, what people call, I think – I've been hearing this term that we're kind of burnt out with uh, superhero movies we're getting fatigue superhero fatigue and i don't think that's necessarily true it's just i think they're being phoned in more so often than not because they know it sells at the end of the day if you slap marvel or superhero or dc on it people will buy it and um you know this this is easily the best superhero movie that i've seen in years I guess probably since the last one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I I really enjoyed the last one. I've rewatched that one a bunch of times. I I don't know that I'm in a hurry to rewatch this one, but I guess my thought would be, I guess again regarding the Marvel, you know, IP. I think everything's kind of become the same movie essentially. Mm -hmm. Whether you're DC or you're Marvel, 
they have their kind of equation and they stick to it. Yeah. This movie does not stick to an equation. This movie is doing its own thing. And I think clearly the creators, even though they really respected the source material and they followed you know, the source material for whatever they the characters were associated with, they also like did it towards their own goals and did a good job of meshing the worlds together. And they didn't make it feel like a Disney... Marvel movie with all the cheesy quips and everything. I mean, obviously there's going to be them because it's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. you got to remember it's Spider-Man. But though. it also has, like, you know, straight drama at portions. And it's yeah. got portions where, like... It's, it's, it's heavy. It, it, yeah. It's not just lighthearted. And Spider-Man isn't meant to be lighthearted. Spider-Man is, is a, it's a character based off a of tragedy and just kind of his, his dilemma with his persona and his, his loved yeah. ones. And so they... They did that well, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about and, it here in the spoilers. But. And maybe it helps that it's a cartoon, but I guess the other thing I thought was it's like, it didn't feel like these were actors playing characters who happened to be, you know, Spider-Man or whatever. Like, a lot of Marvel movies, it's just like, oh, it's that actor, and he's playing this character. Whereas now, I think, like, these guys actually felt like the characters they were embodying. And maybe that's because I wasn't seeing them on the screen, but it felt like... Each character had their own emotions and their reasons for doing it, and they weren't just some trope character that was thrown out there to be, you know, defeated or to be a pain in the butt or just to whatever. So, yeah, really liked it. Definitely go see it. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I, I recommend it to everyone that is interested in just superheroes or especially Spider-Man. So. All right. Well, I wanted to get to almost the exact 10-minute mark, but uh, we're just short of that. So anyway... Spoilers. Okay, there we go. <laughs> this is where we start the spoilers. Um, just because it's, it, we really want to talk about it. Uh, it's an animated movie. It, it's you know, no different than any kind of anim, anime. Obviously, it's not Japanese inspired, but uh, it's, it's animation, and I, I love animation. And this movie does is, it's one of the things that excels at. It's not just an animated movie that's good. It's a great animation movie and a great movie in itself, right? Well, I think that's the best part is they make use of multiple styles of animation across different genres, it almost feels like. And live action, for those not aware. You know, Danny Glover shows up. Love that. Donald Glover. Donald Glover. I'm sorry. Danny. I'm used to call him Danny. Donald Glover shows up and then uh, Danny Glover's the old one. Yes, Danny Glover is the old actor. That's so weird. That's why... It's not. I wouldn't let it slide because those are two different people. Donald Glover, otherwise known as Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Yeah. He shows up, and then I think, uh, what was it? There's a, uh, there's a, <laughs> some other live action cuts. Yeah, there's cutscenes the of the original Spider-Man. of the original Spider Mans, yeah. including the Raimi one, which is the uh, the. Uh, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, and then the Andrew Amazing Spider Man. Yeah. And actually, they didn't get one from uh, from the most recent one. They didn't get a Tom Holland one. Okay. Yeah, I think they were worried I wonder if about, that was a I think they're worried about copyright the situation with Tom Holland because he's talking about not wanting to be Spider-Man anymore. Oh, uh, I think that's a thing. But, anyway. but oh, and they did uh, bring it back to Venom. They brought uh, the whole. Oh the yeah, Venom they universe. had Venom. I said, yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, this movie is uh, just to kind of go over it as a continuation of the original. Um, just straight into it, uh, they kind of left off where. You're, you see that Miles kind of had to separate from Gwen and all his friends, the other Spider-Man from a different universe, um, after he unfortunately had to, uh, I guess, defeat his uh, uncle, or the Prowler. Um, and they find a way to kind of like meet up again, which kind of leads to the next story, uh, which, you know, well, let's talk about the villain. What do you think of the villain here? Um, I like the spot, way... The spot, right? 
I always respect a villain. I love it when a villain is goes from like a nobody to actually being a threat, like in front of your eyes. I think more recently, I didn't think about this for a while, but like Cell is a good example where it's like, yeah, this thing is scary and weird, but he's really not a threat. But he can become a threat, yeah. and that was what I really enjoyed about the spot. Is like he was. And also the fact that he was kind of quippy and quirky, like Spider-Man. Like, uh, yeah, he was. He was definitely like the whole time he's saying like, "I'm your nemesis," but Spider-Man's like, "I'm not taking you seriously." Mm-hmm. But really, like, you guys are two sides of a coin, literally, because they were both created, you know, through the same, yeah, kind of an event that they each created to each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. he was working on the thing that Spider-Man was after in the first movie, and when he set it off, it caused him to be created. So, um, yeah. yeah, and I liked, I liked how. Obviously, he started initially off as like kind of like this weak sauce and getting thrown around, almost bumbling, but was still getting away with everything. And then eventually, just became like, <laughs> I guess, an unstoppable force of nature. Yeah, uh, it, 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 yeah, that is a good point. It's like he, you saw him kind of grow from literally from the beginning. It was they even made a point that he was just like, oh, another random villain of the week. And he did come off that way. He was stealing an ATM, man. Like he was yeah. just trying and to get money. He wasn't even really stealing the ATM. And he was. He he didn't have. He never pulled it off. Oh yeah, he didn't. He he was so bad at it. But yeah. that was his intention. His intention was just to get money because he couldn't get a job. Yeah. Right. He wasn't trying to ruin someone's day. Unfortunately, he did because you know he's stealing from somebody. But you know you don't necessarily think about that. But um, yeah. And then it devolved into him encountering Spider Man, and then kind of having this obsession with getting back at him because he kind of put them put him in this place unintentionally. Well, I think they picked on something, and I'm not sure if this is what they'll go with in the sequel, but I think they hit on something where it's like this guy was more so focused on, like, he felt disrespected. Like, he can't hold a job anymore even though he's, like, a brilliant scientist. He, he's not going to be able to be looked at in public. So he just wants to be taken seriously as a villain. And he doesn't even want to ruin anybody's day. He feels bad when he's, like, robbing the guy. He's just like, I just want to rob the ATM. You don't own the ATM. I'm sorry. I'm like, That's true. Yeah, and, and he can't even do that. And he, he actually acts really nice to all the other random people he interacts with. Like, he pops into the Venom universe with uh, the clerk lady yeah, there. The, the and he's just, like, lady. really nicely asking her, like, hey, you see people like me all the time or what? Yeah, anyway. So he's an interesting villain. But he's only on screen for like a third of the time, so I would hesitate to even call him really the villain of the movie. Well, that's, I mean, and this is the one complaint I can see people having is that this movie didn't resolve. No. But that was the point, and I don't think, I did not know that going in, um, not until the end, and I was like, well, this is, and then spoilers, again, these are are heavy spoilers, but uh, they literally end the movie and then they have a post-credit scene, quote-unquote, where they just announce that Within the next year, the next movie comes out. So they always planned, or at least they ended up planning to have it split up, which is something that as much as people want to complain about, I give any studio that wants to take their time and flesh a complete story out as much props as they can get because you know what ended up happening? It ended up not feeling rushed. It ended up feeling that every character had their moment. It ended up feeling that every character got enough time for us to also enjoy them. And to not have any complaints when it came to, oh, it just felt like the last part was just rushed. It felt like the bad guy just got beat and then they moved on. Yeah. Did not get that feeling at all. 
Granted, they didn't really have a beat the villain kind of situation, but I'm assuming the next movie well, will. Well, if, if anything, they had the beat the villain was the other spider people. Yeah, you, you, you did have a, a overcoming uh, some kind of a situation. Yeah, it wasn't without its climax. It had a climax yeah. for sure. I think we're definitely going to have a lot of hurdles in the next movie, and yeah, that is that is fascinating, and I really look forward to talking about it. But let's let's get to what we're really here for. Let's talk about my boy Hobie. Holy shit. Again, I love, I love they introduced a new character that everyone ended up loving because they gave it time. Yeah. They gave it time to flesh out. And Hobie, not for some people that don't know, is Spider-Punk. Uh, he is a character that is an alternate universe, which is the whole point of this movie, uh, that was introduced in this movie, who uh, was um, a, a Spider-Gwen friend that uh, Miles ended up meeting. He is uh, based in a universe where it's kind of like punky 80s new york a yeah. little a little bit of new england punk too the actual comic is a fucking trip but basically the world was taken over by oscorp and kind of run as a dictatorship and the guy obviously gets bitten by a spider and gets inspired by inspired did you say inspired yes i'm gonna roll with that anyway um he gets inspired by uh <laughs> the world's the world's greatest rock star at the time gwen stacy in, uh, that, in that universe. And he becomes Spider-Punk and kind of leads a revolution against... Yeah, and he's yeah. not your your general Spider-Man who's, like, hu- like humble and, like... He is quippy, but, like, he's more of a... Literally a punk. Like, he he's, like, you know, anti... Uh, yeah, anti-global. Like, fuck, fuck the establishment. Fuck the system, all that shit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a hoot because in this movie you get to see him and he comes in and he's one of the main characters who kind of helps with them, I guess, in a fighting sequence... And uh, his his animation's awesome too because they kind of give him like a comic booky as much as kind of. It looks like is. you know how you got the serial killer kind Paper of mache. letter where it's like yeah. all cut yeah. and pasted together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like kind of like a mache of like different arts of different like uh, magazine styles. Um, and yeah, I mean it, it was cool to see that he's fun on 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 screen, and um, I can't wait to see more because he's definitely he's he's part of the group now. Yeah, I think he was probably the most interesting character. I like that Gwen got her full arc kind of resolved, which was really good because that, honestly, I thought that was kind of like, I was worried they were going to leave that hanging and they well, I like that they brought it back. And it was so good because they started with Gwen. This movie was com- it's almost like the other side of the coin. You know, mm-hmm. the, the whole story, at least from the original, it's like, oh, it's Miles and Gwen. They kind of become friends. They, you know, you feel like there may be more there. Uh, they're really close, and then they had to separate. And I like that this movie started on Gwen's side. It could have easily been like, I'm Miles, and this is what I've done since last happened, you know? But no, we started with Gwen, got a sense of her world, got a sense, and, and props to the animation style again for giving Gwen a different feel. Like, every world has its own feel, yeah. but this one didn't. It wasn't like crazy different, but it was just the right amount. Like, the it was like colors, very watercolor. Very watercolor It was It was gorgeous. I, I love it. And, and, and they played with the emotions. The colors kind of like mirrored the emotions because her story is definitely a little heavy, as all Spider-Man stories are. Oh, but um, I mean, that's what I made reference to before. Clearly, they paid attention because I think I've got a Spider Gwen comic that's somewhere. True. She that's does what have. They, her own. That's what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's there on the shelf behind you. Yeah. Huh. It's like, look at that. Yeah. Proper so. placement. <laughs> it's the pink one over there. Yeah. There you go. No, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the Gwen, the Gwen Stacy arc was great. Uh, the, they did, they actually did close that a little bit. Um, and then you know, all the others, they didn't really introduce another character that they introduced, which I also really enjoyed, was Spider Man Twenty Ninety Nine, 
who was um, Miguel... Is it O'Hara? O'Hara, yeah, yeah O'Hara. He's a uh, Mexican-Irish. Um, and, yeah, he was kind of like the leader of the Spider-Men group that is trying to combat, um, I guess, Spider-Verse... He's trying uh, anomalies? to stop, uh, stop anomalies. Yeah, right? anomalies in the Spider-Verse, which apparently lead to issues down the line. Um, you know, we're not going to spoil everything, but he's introduced, I think he was, he, he's known, Miguel O'Hara, his Spider-Man 2099. Um, and, you know, whoever was the voice actor did a great job. The animation style, he's more of an edgelord kind of look, more cybernetic kind of aggressive look to his uh, suit. Um, and if you know anything about, you know, spider uh, Man 2099. He uh, he has a little bit more of an aggressive feel than your normal Peter Parker, and that definitely carries across. I mean, like he oh was it o- Oscar? Well, that's why it's Oscar Isaac, uh, yeah. which is uh, a guy best known for uh, his 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 portrayal Dan- in Spider Man. Daniel his... Kaluuya was Spider Punk. Yep, they had a list actors here. I mean, we've got obviously it's the same guy who did Miles Morales, who is Shamik Moore. Um, Oscar Isaac, who does Miguel. Jason Schwartzman was the spot. <laughs> Where is he? Oh, yeah. Actually, I can figure his face. That's oh, awesome. Andy Samberg was fucking was the Scarlet Spider. Oh, my God. That explains so much. <laughs> oh, my God. Ben Riley. Ben uh, Riley, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, this was, yeah, this was, I, I can't, I can't explain how, how good it was. It was just so good. Um, yeah, I mean, across the board, I mean, the villains, the new characters are great. The animation styles are great. The soundtrack is another thing I want to comment. Um, I think this was something that the original was also praised for was the soundtrack was great. And I do I do believe that the second one was, uh, at least in the movie, was, was just as great. Uh, I will say that the soundtrack on its own has some very has some not that great songs. So if you're into the soundtrack and you want to listen to it or if you listen to it, there are some songs on there that are not good. But the ones they used for the movies were all the A-tier ones. Gotcha. S-tier, whatever you want to say. The best yeah. of the best. So they I, did pick the best ones. I haven't actually listened to the soundtrack, but I was I was happy with the music they used. It actually matched the tempo and the feel of the yeah. movie very well. Well, we can't talk about it all day. Any we last can't. thoughts? I could. No, uh, go watch it. It's great. Definitely my movie of the year so far. That doesn't mean it won't change, but... Uh, yeah, I had a good time. I mean, there's a long, there's still a lot of year to have be left. Correct. I am kind of hoping that this gets some kind of Oscar recognition. I'm sure it will for animation, for some kind of like uh, adapt adaptation. I don't know. It has to. It, it's. So I'd cool. love to at least see it get nominated for like yeah. best film, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, alrighty. Uh, so move, let's moving on to what we're actually here for, which is more animation. Yeah. And unique animation at that to continue yeah. uh, our. Not actually anime. Yeah, it's another not anime related. I guess this whole episode was really just about animation in general, which is, is good because, you know, there's other animations besides just Japan. Um, and that's what uh, Star Wars Vision Season 2 is. Uh, so if you guys are don't live under a rock, you know that Star Wars is a big deal. And uh, last year on May 4th, Star Wars actually... Um, released uh, Visions, Visions Season 1, which we didn't know about the time. Now it's Season 2. And Visions is a collaboration between Lucasfilms, Star Wars, whoever owns it, I don't know, and I think it was nine different, nine studios. No, it was six different studios, I think. Nine episodes um, where they went to studios in Japan and said, hey, 
you get to make a short story about Star Wars world. You can do most of whatever you want. Use your own style and go for it. And we yeah. got nine awesome episodes last year, right? They were really good. Yeah, they really were. And uh, so that was really special because it was anime. It was actual Japanese studios who got to work on stuff like that. And we really enjoyed it. And uh, we were excited to hear that season two was going to be a thing. And this time they decided to go outside the box, and that box is Japan, and um, make uh, and to incorporate studios elsewhere, all across the world, pretty much everywhere in the world. Uh, they did actually end up doing a Japanese studio, but um, was I will it Japanese say, or Korean? No, they both. There is a Korean and there was a Japanese. One. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. But this Japanese one was a little unique. We'll talk about it. Uh, but this one was nine different ones. They actually had nine different ones this time. And, um, yeah, we're here to talk about it because it came out May 4th, uh, May 4th we with you, uh, yep. this year on 2023, and it's been about a month, so I think it's, again, okay to talk about it now. If you haven't seen it, go see it, uh, but, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the other thing to me, just really quick, I, I love the idea that people are allowed to play with unique IP because, obviously, yeah. a lot of people love Star Wars, but there isn't... A lot of it's just old hat, or it's kind of like rehashing something that already exists. You know, we got Ahsoka coming out around the corner, and it's not like I'm not like excited to see that, but it's like okay, but we know who Ahsoka is, so it's kind of cool to see new stories in this universe by people who are have got their own imagination and creativity around it. And I think this season in particular had a lot of very creative stories, Um, whereas last season was still good, but it was mostly like it felt like it was really based around. This guy fights this guy. <laughs> I yeah, like, I, I think that season one maybe didn't want to just kind of... It, it tiptoed into the pool of like um, stretching the Star Wars universe. Kind of what you're saying, like taking it and kind of running with it. But I think season two, the studios were like, all right, I think we can get away with a little bit more and let's do something different. Something that obviously is in the Star Wars universe, but doesn't necessarily right away scream Star Wars. Right. Right. And, uh, and I think that's a reason why I will say that I think I enjoyed this season better than season one. Not to say season one wasn't good. I just I, I, I found it a little bit more original. I felt like it was a little bit more well-rounded. I, I definitely agree. They put more creativity into this. And I think they definitely expanded what they could do with the story they were given. But, yeah. So, I, I let's get into it. Yeah. And uh, so, the first episode... I don't know if you want to talk, kick us off, Ozzy, because I know you're the one who did the research, but the first episode is Sith by Studio... Is it El Guiri? Yeah, I think it's El Guiri. Um, it's a Spanish um, uh, studio. But uh, yeah, and the director, just to shout out the director, because uh, I think that's a big thing, is uh, Rodrigo Blas. Um, and to just to know, I made a couple notes on each director to kind of give you an idea because these are all different animation styles. They're all different inspirations. And uh, Rodrigo Boas has a background in Pixar. So he worked on a couple movies in Pixar. He's worked on Finding Nemo, which I don't think is Pixar, but this is just another note. Uh, and he's worked on Ratatouille. So yeah, I think both are Pixar. Yeah. Are they? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure, but he's, he's done a, different, a couple different things, Disney-related and Pixar related. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the basis. And uh, what was your take on the first episode, Sith? So, I think, now that I realize that he was uh, Finding Nemo and Ratatouille, I kind of, like, really appreciate more the motion that he puts into this. The art style is kind of wild, I think, for those who are unfamiliar. 
There's not a lot of like lines in between the drawings. It's mostly just kind of like smatter paint. Kind of looks like sketches. Like yeah. a sketch before, like like an artist sketch. Yeah, except it's sketched with like colored pencil instead of like actually drawing the lines in between everything. Like it kind of looks like a Gendy Tarakovsky. Like if you've seen Primal, where it's like yeah, it's it all just kind of blends together. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting design, and I think it it makes it really smooth but also kind of like aggressive to Rugged. see yeah yeah, yeah. Re- like really sharp to see all these yeah, I agree. colors burst into each other and i think other. it helps with the colors too because it, it was more like a like a water painting like a water color painting where it's kind of like splotches right and i think with the hard edges and those colors it made everything pop more for me yeah, and I thought the idea the idea wasn't like anything super crazy uh, the story was basically there is a Sith runaway who's basically trying not to be Sith really, really hard. Her Sith teacher catches up. She has to fight him, and then she realizes that maybe being all good isn't the best thing. Maybe she's got to find the gray area in between. Yeah, which is that's not right. Yeah, which is not like the most crazy nope, narrative, <laughs> but it serves its purpose, and I think it actually works really well when you consider how the colors blend together because yeah. you get to see like in this cartoon the force is literally the art in the background which is i think very unique compared to a lot of that that was i guess my biggest takeaway was the actually the art moved as they were using the force which was really cool but anyway so that, that's kind of my biggest thing and i thought that really did a lot for the story even though it wasn't a particularly mind-blowing story or concept so yeah, I think I agree with everything you're saying, and I think that's what makes animation so special is that you can have a decent story, which I would call this a decent story, but something that pushes it beyond that is the animation style, the way they tell the story. You can't always do that with you know real-life movies, with real-life TV series. You can. A good director will find a way to shoot things in a way that tells it differently, but animation style, you can the limits are a little bit more endless, right? And they did a good job here with the color, the colors, the animation style. I really enjoyed watching this. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, the story was straightforward. You had a cool, quick scene at the end that was kind of a battle and kind of a runaway chase at the end. And I, I like that and the way they kind of dealt with like the rough shading and the rough like colors outside because they did have like a they did like go out into the middle of like a desert terrain area. Um, it all looked great, you know. It was it was a treat to my eyes, and that's always going to be fun to watch. Um, I really uh, what was I going to say uh, there was something I was going to mention. Uh, you like the droid? Uh, the droid was cool. I mean, he, he was another. Uh, he, he was a very helpful droid, very a la Star Wars. Uh, you know, it, it had everything typical Star Wars. I think this is a good way to start the ep- start the season because it doesn't. It's not one of the ones that shies away from Star Wars too much. It has Siths. It has. You know, lightsabers, it has a battle, it has a droid, and it has a, a, some kind of vehicle that drives. You know, it, you know yeah. it, it's it's very reminiscent of Star Wars. So Yeah, you can tell immediately that it is Star Wars. Yeah. It doesn't throw you a curveball. It's right. just like, this I think is what it is. this season had a lot of like, like, either we go into the full Star Wars situation or we don't. And you watch it and you're like, is this Star Wars? And you finally get like a wrap up at Star Wars. But 
Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Really cool to see. Uh, I, I did look up some stuff about the director and his take on the episode. You know, he he said that he really delved into the art scene because Spain has a lot of artists. You know, it has a lot mm. of. You know, he uh, he he believes that that's a big thing in Spanish culture. So he wanted to kind of go down the artist style, uh, the artist uh, I guess the avenue for this episode. And I can I can say that he definitely hit. Like I could tell it was artistic. In the idea that it's inspired by actual art, right? Yeah, and now that you mention it, like it kind of is like street art, like spray paint art. I was, I was really, that was really cool. Yeah. Now that I know that, that's actually even cooler. Yeah, it, it, there's so much that you see that it's, and I like that Disney does this. It allows them, again, like you were saying, like allows them to take an IP and just kind of do their own thing. Not like stay in the in the, in the Star Wars universe, which they do, but. Keep it looking like Star Wars. Like, make it look like the Attack of the Clones series. Oh, well, I mean, it just looks like animation, which is good, but no, they decided to do their own studio, do their own style, and it just, it sometimes it looks and feels cooler. Yep. And in this case, it did. Yeah. Uh, next up, Screechers Reach. Do you want to give us your background? Yeah, so the background here is uh, Screechers Reach is done by Cartoon Saloon. Uh, they're an Irish studio. Um, and the director is Paul Young. Uh, I, I, some of these I could barely find any background on because they've done very little. Uh, a lot of them, I think about half of them, I could not find anything that I knew. Not that it doesn't mean they don't do good stuff. It's just I haven't seen much. Some of them have done like short stories. Some of them have done like movies that are more, I guess, I might be European known, but not necessarily in my avenue. Um, but I tried to find some things that we all kind of know and can kind of uh, see. Yeah, I think Cartoon Saloon has some cult hit movies. I think mm-hmm. Wolf Walkers was their most recent film. Uh, they've had The Breadwinner was a big emotional one and Song of the Sea, I don't uh, know which has won some awards. But I'll be honest, I haven't seen it. Right. So it's like I, I don't want to sit here and like talk up like his resume like I know it. But if you know of those movies, thanks, Logan. Um, you know, obviously they they do a good job because they've won awards. And I will say they did a good job here. Um, this is easily my top three, possibly my number one out of all nine. Um, Logan, what was your take on this? So I really, really like this one. This is def- definitely my favorite. I wanted to say probably my favorite, but the more I thought about it, I was like, this is definitely my favorite. Um, so I love the way the art style builds into it because you mentioned it's like Irish folklore, kind of the way it builds together. But I think they do a really good idea of like, when I look back and watched it, I think they did a really good job of developing the art. Like initially it starts out as kind of a 2D mural of these kids kind of working in a factory and everything. And it doesn't really turn into 3D until they leave the factory. And that's where we kind of get our story kick off. And really the idea is pretty simple in itself, which is the this girl uh, wants to kind of get out of her situation. She doesn't like it. It's mundane. It's not for her. She wants to go out into the universe and explore. Doesn't bring up Sith. Doesn't bring up Jedi or anything. But to do that, she has to go. To, she wants to go to this place called Screechers Reach, and we don't know exactly why. Uh, we turns out that she's basically been told if she goes there, she'll have kind of a way to get out into the world. So anybody who's familiar with the Star Wars universe can be like, "Well, this kind of sounds a lot like Luke, or a lot like you know the call to heroism of like the Jedi, where it's like you got to go face your fears in the dark cave, and then yeah. you kind of like." go on this journey and you become a Jedi. 
Well, this one kind of twists it on its head. Um, and I think... I don't have time to go through every single thing I like about it. Uh, but, yeah, Ozzy, do you want to kind of tell us what happens at the back end of the story? So, yeah, I mean, basically it is kind of a story of this girl finding what she wants to do next, like you said. And we end up, you know, she ends up finding this creature in a cave in Screecher's Reach that is a screecher. It's uh, based off of a banshee, which is a, which I learned was like an Irish tale situation where it's, you know, common in Irish folklore of a, of a banshee that kind of like, you know, signifies death in someone's family. It's, um, it's like a ghost-like creature that cries out at the sound of death, but it's uh, when somebody dies, right, basically. Yeah. And so th- they use that as inspiration for this screecher. Uh, and it turns out this creature, I think, is maybe a jet, maybe a, a Sith or someone Force-related because she ends up having this uh, this lightsaber, right? Yeah, she has the lightsaber. She has a lightsaber. And she can clearly use the Force. She can use the Force. Uh, and, it, and you know, this, this kind of like group that it kind of ends up going there, the lead character, she ends up kind of t- going on her own because she knows that this her, mission her, is for her. Her friends follow her along and they want to help, but she's like, no, I got to do yeah, this. Is her, this is her thing, right? Yeah. And this is her story. And after, you know, a climax there, she ends up surviving this situation. Uh, I'm not going to spoil everything, but she ends up surviving this confrontation with this creature. And just when she ends up coming out of that situation and, I guess, you know, a different person. I I don't know how, but... Well, she she kills the person, so yeah. I didn't want to spoil all that, but... (laughs) All right, all right. We can spoil everything. That's fine. But yeah, she ends up confronting the Screecher, ends up, you know, kind of putting it down because she has to. I wasn't sure what... It it was more of a, of like a, it was me or her kind of situation. So you're at that, and Star Wars does a a decent job of this where it's like, sometimes you have to do that. And yeah, the Jedi would say you can't, but like... It's survival, right? Like, right. Are you going to die because you don't want to take someone's life situation? Um, but she ends up defeating this creature, comes out a different person, and at the end she reunites with her friends. They're all happy. And then this, what I would believe is a Sith, comes down from a ship and essentially welcomes her and says, Hey, you know, you've, you've passed this test. You've proven yourself. Come with me to live a, a better life. Yeah, I'll take you with me and I'll train and I, and I, you. I'll, yeah, I'll train yeah. you. We'll have a different life than what you have. And that was her mission. The entire time she wanted something different. She wanted to better herself. And, you know, unbeknownst to her and her friends, and maybe not her friends because they could yeah, tell something was off. They, she, I think, the main character in her, maybe in her ignorance slash, what's it called? Um, desire to get out. Desire to get out happily says yes i'll take it you know i'll have to leave my friends because she tells her you have to leave your friends you can't take them she says yes let's go and you know us as the audience who are well known in star wars know that that's a sith you know it's it's It's, the sith aren't exactly they're like the opposite of the jedi so you can't say they're a good in between they're the dark side so you know it it has its negatives right it's it's also leaves I guess this is my favorite part of the world building. It leaves you a lot of questions about what was happening. And you don't really need an answer to kind of get the gist of things. That um, This Sith basically led this girl to go to this place to fight that person. Um, You know, it, it basically enticed her to go do that. And kind of told her, it's like, oh, it's not real. It's all in your head. And then, like... So the girl, the main character, didn't really understand what she was getting herself into until she had already taken care of 
the thing in the cave. And we're implied, and there's an implication that other kids have gone and done this, so you kind of wonder, it's like, was this Sith just enticing kids to go fight this person for them? Yeah, it, or, I mean... And how did this person get in the cave in the first place? Was this the Sith's old apprentice? Was it the person that raised the other Sith? You, know, you could I, argue that's, that's reminiscent of normal Star Wars, like, you know... The, the whole um, Dooku situation where, where Anakin essentially put him down, right? Like, yeah. He, it, that was out of, you know, not necessarily aggression, kind of it was. Uh, but, you know, he was enticed to do that, but in a, in a good way because he is a villain. He is... Yeah, I'm, I still gotta things. kill... I gotta kill this yeah. bad guy. Right, but. like, and... Yeah, so it, it does leave a lot of questions. It makes you not necessarily, like yearn for answers but it just leaves you with like this like man like what 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 could happen situation and i love it i love it the more all the more for it because it didn't give us the ending that everyone wanted it gave us the ending that the story needed and deserved which was open-ended yeah i fucking really like this one i don't care if they never come back to it i i really liked it and i'm, I'm glad for what it was and also and just a comment real quick, sorry to interrupt. The art style was nothing super unique. Um, I will say it, it, it seemed very, like, ugh, like did almost it, drawn. Did like, it look less choppy when you watched it the second no, time? No, it, it was choppy. Okay. And I will say, I don't know if it's, like, because it's a little bit more stop motion-y. A lot of these are stop motion. Uh, so a lot of them can feel a little choppy, but that's fine. I mean, I, I ignore that. Um, this is a 15-minute short. I'm not going to b- break their balls over that. But... Um, yeah, the art was was cool. I, I liked the setting. It had that dreary, dreary feeling because it felt that the entire story felt that way. It was eerie. It was about a ghostish situ, you know, character. The music was great. The, the, yeah, the all the entire lead up to it was just kind of eerie. It kind of gave me at first. I got like these goon, the Goonie vibes, where like it's these oh, guys yeah. that are going out on an adventure, but you know that something's up, something's not right, and they're going to get into trouble. And it, and it turned out to be more serious than that. So I, I really liked that how it ended. It got it kept building and kept building, and then it just left you with questions. And I, I do think it's the best one. And yeah. Easily, in, in my, my eyes. Yeah. I would love to keep sucking its dick for the next 30 minutes. Mask. But uh, we, we got to go on. So in the stars, the next one. <laughs> Three. Sto- Studio Punk Robot. Uh, you want to tell me about... I don't. I, first off, I love the studio's name, but I don't yeah, know anything about Gabriel Osario. What's what's the deal here? So you're gonna have to look up something real quick because I do, I couldn't find much on this on this one as well. Um, they they seem to have some good stuff because I, I looked at it and I, well, at least visually for me, but I can't tell you what exactly they've worked on that's big and famous. But uh, they're Chilean. They're from Chile, um, and I could. And one of the big things here, and one of my complaints that I guess I could start off is, Disney, just make it in their normal language. Like, the episode started in English, and I could tell something was off. And that was because it's natural, and technically the characters did both. But the actors are so much better in their natural language, in their mother tongue, that they should just let them do it. If you're going to let them do their style... Make that the natural episode. Like, if we want to change it, we can change it. But give us the subtitles and put it in in, in Spanish. I do think that would make one of these characters significantly less. Annoying. And I will say it did. Um, my one complaint was that the English voice actor for the little girl was not the best. 
Um, but the Chilean version, or excuse me, the Spanish version, Chilean is not a Spanish language. The Spanish version was much better. And I, you know, I know Spanish, I'm fluent, so I, I can understand it better. But I did have the subtitles just to see if it was a good translation. It was a great translation. It was fine. You get the gist. So I would watch it in Spanish, and it feels much better because it's basically a, what's it called? Like a, like a, uh, the Empire versus Nature kind of story. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's, it's very reminiscent of, like, indigenous people. It's also, um, it's got, got, like, a Ghibli film vibe. Yeah, because Ghibli a does a lot point, for, yeah. for those kind of stories, you know, kind of like nature versus you know, creation, or not creation, nature versus, like, um, society yeah, slash... Yeah, industrialization. Yeah. Um, so that's the feeling of the story. You know, these two girls who are very indigenous, these creatures who I will say are very unique. I don't know of many Star Wars creatures that look like them. No, so, I, and the, we were spending most of our time after watching this fig, trying to figure out what they were. Yeah. They were like aquatic. Or yeah, they, they were. were. <laughs> they, they were, I think there may have been a little, I don't know. Like there was a lot of emphasis on water. And uh, a lot of, and the story was that the Empire came to their planet and was taking their resources and polluting their land. Very basic story. Nothing crazy to write home about, but it did the job because it kind of spoke on, it it delivered the story well because these girls that were kind of like warriors uh, wanted to, uh, like, honor their mom's name because their mom unfortunately died trying to battle the Empire, kind of dealing with the Empire. Um, and ultimately, they did beat the Empire faction that was there and kind of restored their the balance to their world. Um, but that was the story. Uh, the animation was great. It was kind of a stop-motion CGI, uh, claymation-like models kind of feel, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not too far off there. That's it, yeah. Um, and I thought it looked great. I love me some stop motion. I absolutely love I, stop motion. I love the start, the sky animation. I love yeah. the character design. I would have liked this a lot more if not for the, <laughs> the little girl being so annoying. Um, and also, I, I mean, I feel like it was rushed, which obviously it had to be because it's a short story. But it's yeah. like, it felt like a lot of it was kind of being like, we have to do this right now. And it's like, why though? Like, all right. this, I mean, that's the, that's the <laughs> downside with short stories sometimes is that you have to tell, you can either tell a story that ends like Screech's Reach where it leaves it open or like the first one where it's a battle and it's like it doesn't necessarily resolve everything. Or you have to completely finish everything and it feels rushed. And this one did complete it. This one did say, yeah. hey, we we started at zero, which was we, we don't have a reason to fight. We have to fight and we beat them. It does feel rushed, but I still think they did a good job everything else. Uh, you know, the animation looked great. I thought the world was awesome because, it, again, it felt like Star Wars, but it wasn't your generic... No. You know, yes, they did use the Force, but they didn't call it the Force. And I still think, like, the Star Wars universe does a good job of saying, like, the Force isn't necessarily unique to Jedi, right? Yeah. Like, I think the Jedi learned to harness it and to use it, but any creature, every, like, that every, energy well, Force has it, it's right? It's through everything. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's part of the whole idea. So that's why I thought so. that was another good thing. Like, they didn't use lightsabers. They kind of just had their own style of combat. But the Force was still there, and that's fine because... That's a Star Wars thing, and you can use that. Yeah. And um, obviously, the Empire was there, but I thought the the new creatures were great. The world building was great. It looked awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I rewatched the Spanish version last night, and it's much better. It, it's just it. Yes, I do agree. In general, the younger character is annoying, but that's because she's she's untainted. She's full of life. She hasn't experienced what her sister has, which is a little bit more 
Mm-hmm. And I like that dynamic. Like, her sister is a little bit jaded, a little bit, like, overprotective because she's gone through more. She's seen it a little bit more. She sees it on a daily. But her daughter, but the younger daughter, her sister, is more, you know, like, what's it called? Like, innocent, right? She's, she yeah, still has she that innocence. She doesn't understand that, like, some things are, like, really shouldn't be able to overcome. Yeah, yeah and, like, hope doesn't overcome everything. I mean, obviously it did in this story, but, you know. I mean, yeah, the, we can get into a whole philosophical debate about that, but I feel like it's just like you can't you can't beat everything by just fighting it like head on. You know, I guess it's kind of like the idea. But I like the story overall, and it was cute. Um, it's definitely not my top, but I, I thought it was a good overall. Yeah. Uh, next up, so, <laughs> this one, I uh, number four, I am your mother by Studio Ardman, the uh, French production behind Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, and Chicken Run. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce this person's name for the du- director. The director is Magdalena Oskinska, Os- which is uh, Osinska. She's Polish. Ah, okay. Well, so that's why I can't pronounce her name. So I, I, I'm for anybody who grew up in the '90s. I mean, Chicken Run and Wallace and Gromit, great comedies. I loved it. Chicken and Run is one of my favorite animation movies of all time, just because I love stop motion. They are, and I'm worried. But I love <laughs> stop motion. I love the claymation look, and it's just so goddamn funny, man. That movie is so hilarious. It is hilarious. It is super underrated. I love put that your, movie so much, man. Put your head between your legs and kiss your butts <laughs> goodbye. Um, I, I will say, this one would have been my favorite if Screechers Reach just wasn't so damn good, because... God, I love a good comedy, and they fucking nailed it. Not only is it a good comedy, it's also a pretty good story with like yeah. good textions for family. And frankly, probably one of my low-key favorite parts, nobody brought up Jedi. Nobody brought up Sith. Didn't wasn't it, even involved. It's another, another one where it completely would be a, a, a unique own story on its own, and it's the better for it because it doesn't have to rely on that. The one thing it did rely on was... The pod racing aspect of Star Wars, which really only one movie did, which is one of the least favorite ones, but this one did it, and it was fun. I, um, I still got a kick out of it. Yeah. yeah, we don't really have to go too much into it because it's pretty straightforward. I will say a couple highlights are the, I mean, the animation, you know, Wallace and Gromit, same thing, nothing unique there. It, it looks cool. It looks funny. Um, let's one note that I made that I thought was cool. They brought back uh, Wedge Antilles, which yeah. is a pilot from the original. Trilogies, like he was an actual pilot that was part of uh, the 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 Death Star my, attack. My, my nerd is, is coming out. It's he was like a famous person in the Star Wars books continuity. Like he had a whole series of books where he led like Rogue Squadron and okay that that was they had a video game about it. It was he was a big fucking deal. People really well. Were, so th- that's even more cool, right? And they actually brought back the actor from that from the original trilogy to voice him in this because they used him as kind of a pilot to push the pilot because they're in like an academy for pilots. So they pushed him as like the announcer for the race. And I thought that was cool. I did not know that until afterwards. But they used he was the original selling. actor, the original voice for his I voice. I love that he was selling his own fucking merch at the store. Yeah, be sure to take a picture with my fucking hologram and all that shit. Oh, that yeah. was great. Anyway, but uh, yeah, that that was a cool nibbit, tidbit there. Um, I thought another cool thing was the, uh, the director. She said they had an interview with her. They said that she was inspired by obviously her becoming a mother because it's oddly enough the title is "I Am Your Mother." It's a play on "I Am Your Father." Uh, she said that she meant that. That's the point. 
uh, because she's a mother too. And she actually, she wasn't the one that was embarrassed, but she actually worries about when she embarrass, will embarrass her son because she, her situation is that she's an immigrant from Poland in the UK and she feels that she's out of place. And that's kind of the story about this one is that the the mom of the daughter of the main character is kind of out of place. She's weird. She's a little kooky. Yeah. And the daughter feels embarrassed. And I think that's normal to feel. I mean, I can actually kind of relate because my my I'm Hispanic. My parents are both Mexican, and we're different. And I have been in that situation where I was unfortunately embarrassed of my parents because I lived in an all white community. And we're different. We do do things different. They may not speak the language as fluently. And this one hit home because, like, at the end of the day, like, you can feel that way. But your parents are who they are no matter what. Yeah. And, and they still love you. And, like, that miscommunication sometimes, that differences, that shouldn't stop people from being kind to each other. That shouldn't stop people from appreciating that your parents are still good people. Like, yeah. her mom was a great mom. And it seems like most people got that, except for the two villains. Yeah, obviously you have like assholes, and and, and that's yeah. funny because she but, she even said those people were inspired by people in her world too. But so. I I did like it too because it was like from a parent standpoint, you can tell it's like this person just cares really hard, and they don't make a lot of money, but she's trying to make everything work. Yeah, she. So she, really, what she's doing isn't really. If you're looking at it from an adult standpoint, what she's doing isn't really that terribly. She does one thing that's embarrassing where she parks on the starting line, but other than that, like. She didn't really do anything, in my opinion, that was incredibly embarrassing. Yeah, it is. It, it's just, just that sometimes kids get caught up in the visual of things and not yeah. necessarily the the meaning behind it. And I, I mean, I said I've been there before. I've done it. So yeah, so I, I really dug the whole story and I liked the message that came across. I thought it was very heartfelt, but it was also fucking hilarious. I mean, yep. nailed, nailed the comedy every, was great. Nailed everything about it. Um, so next up, uh, oh wait, sorry. Number four, your top three, I assume? Yeah, it's probably number two. Yeah, okay. Next up, Journey to Darkhead. This is the fifth uh, episode. Uh, Studio Mir out of South Korea. They did Legend of Korra. Um, That's the biggest thing they've done, and I think everyone knows it. And I will say the art does look very similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the director is Hyung Gwyn Park. If yeah. I butchered that, I'm sorry. But uh, I think he was also involved with the Legend of Korra. And uh, this was honestly one of the better animation styles. Um, it, it it wasn't like unique, but it was like I said, like that Legend of Korra Korean animation style. I mean, it's weird to say, but I could tell, right? I think better depends on your perspective because I would say this is the most anime-y. Yeah, um, but I think it was once. super clean. Like it was yeah. really clean. The the fights looked like a legit. Yeah, like you were watching. Maybe not Mappa, but you know something. Yeah. Really high. Well, that's what I mean. I'm not saying like it's the best of my favorite, but I, I I think it's up there with being the top quality when it comes to when you see the the um, what's it called the like the action scenes where they put the extra effort in. Um, the, uh, yeah, the now I'm blanking on it. Now I feel bad. I'm not an, I'm not a nerd. I'm not a weeb. I'm not a weeb. Anymore. Oh god. Uh, what's it called uh, Sakuga? Sakuga. Sakuga. Yeah, yeah. like the, you could see it right. Like in. Like it's like the trigger episode, and this is the one that I actually rec- like. I kind of like compared to trigger because the story was very basic. The story was that there's this main character who is like a prophecy teller who wants to go to a temple and destroy the dark head that symbolizes the darks, like the Sith. Yeah, which, to like stop a war. Which you can almost automatically know where that's going if you've watched any, you know, 
Star Wars based Correct. anything. And but anyway, she uh, she teams up with a young Jedi who has a dark past, and they try to go to this temple, and they find a Sith, and they just battle. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway is at the end they find out that you can't have one without the other, and it's all about balance. That's literally all the story is. But the animation, the fight sequence was awesome. The the visuals were great, and that's what drove it. So it kind of reminded me of Trigger, where it's like, does the story make sense? Yes. Is it amazing? No. Does it look sweet as fuck? Yeah, it does. Well, I think the characters also do pull a lot of work weight in this one, where I like that the characters kind of bounce off each other. They're kind of your... They're not yeah. brother. They're not brother is good. They're yeah. not brother and sister, but they got that like, I really don't like you, but I gotta work with you kind of dynamic, which I, I think works pretty well for the both yeah. of them. And I, overall, I thought it was a it was an enjoyable one. But yeah, I guess my problem is it was so basic story wise, it just didn't really stand out to me because it's just like, yeah, they. Your summary is pretty accurate. Yeah, they went somewhere, they had a fight, and then that was it. <laughs> yeah, it looked good, but it it also didn't look amazing. Like, the Trigger one was ridiculous, and that's why Trigger gets away with a lot of their stuff, is because they look out of this world. This one was a little bit more realistic. It looked clean. I, I do like that, but it was your basic Jedi battle. You know, yeah. Jedi versus Sith. Uh, but it looked good. I, I Like, I could definitely see the Korra, like, aspect legend of Korra animation style um so yeah check that one out it, it's fun i will say that i did like it uh wasn't necessarily my favorite though all right next up so we have the spy dancer studio la cachette this is a french studio with director julian chang yeah i'm not sure if i if that was misspelled somewhere but i did find it with two h's yeah julian chang and that one was someone who worked on primal you brought that up earlier yeah but he uh, actually worked on primal yeah. i mean i could tell actually because again you can see how there's not really any lines it's everything blends together and and i mean I, i'll <laughs> my as the title implies it works really well with the spy dancing that goes on in the series so do you want to lead us in on this one yeah, so this one was really awesome. I find this one comes back to be one of my favorite ones because the animation, first off, is unique. It's one of the only it's one of the only ones that used a lot of hand drawn animation. So that was really sweet, and you can tell, you can see it. It looks more rough, but in a good way, kind of like you were saying earlier. Um, but I actually looked up that this is loosely based on some French history that there used to actually be some spy dancers, and this may be common across other places, but. Uh, there's this one lady called Mata Hari. I think she was German, and it was during like I think one of the world wars. But uh, she was the same thing. She worked in like a cabaret kind of situation, and she kind of gave intel based off of the people that were there. And that was the premise of this this movie or this uh, short story, where you have these uh, you're essentially in this area that's controlled by the Empire, and it's a cabaret slash you know musical place where these actors who put on shows. Are rebels and they put on a show and they like make their guests feel great but they're conspiring against them somehow we don't really get an an, an understanding of what they do um, but at least in these this part of the short story uh, one of the things that they did was they placed trackers on them whether that was to track certain people or where they were spreading to help with maybe some other intel but that that was kind of the mission they were doing right yeah well and I dig that from a lot of standpoints because 
Obviously, you think rebels, you think, okay, soldiers, whatever. That's what comes to mind first. This one deals with the espionage side of it. And it also deals with the fact that, like, you each contribute in different ways. Because even though it focuses on the dancers, we get kind of a perspective of they're also working with these engineers who are doing all the technical stuff. And then I'm assuming those guys are working with other people off planet. So it's kind of like there's a whole lot going on in the background. And I think that was probably one of my favorite parts of this is... There was a lot of characters, but they all kind of felt fleshed out. Like, you'll, the engineer guy, we got what his deal was. We got the spy dancer, her partner, the other people in the studio. Even the bad guys, like that first group that walks in where they're just like, oh, man, you haven't seen this show before? This is so cool. Yeah, it's like it all felt very real, and it felt very like every character had their own personality, even if you only spent like a few seconds with well, them. Well, that's the thing. This this wasn't a full story. This was just kind of a moment in a bigger story, which this is one where I wish I could watch more of because they did a good job of getting a snapshot of a big moment in these people's lives because what ends up happening is uh, the main character, who is one of the rebels, she is the spy dancer. She is amazing at dancing. She like does this almost like acrobatic, like Cirque du Soleil, like act where she's yeah. like flying all over the place you know kind of like touching on certain members of the audience and while she's doing that she's like laying trackers on them um and she ends up finding like a big general kind of dude and she's like oh i have to go she's actually um you know she's gonna go plant something on him but then she has this like trigger that she remembers that this general that's there actually you know impacted her in some way in her past by you know Spoilers, I guess she she ended up like he ended up coming and like destroying her village and taking her baby, which is a pretty big deal uh, in this story. Which we never figure out the deal with that anyway. But yeah, uh, it yeah. doesn't really answer that. But he takes her baby. So when she sees that, she like kind of goes off, kind of goes rogue, haha, and uh, she attempts to kill him. Well, from there, you find out a few things, and they en- ends up having a battle. She ends up kind of going full badass mode, and that was awesome to see. Like, there's another thing, like. It reminded me of the Rogue movie where it's like you have these other people who are unique, kind of like you were saying. They have their own unique abilities, but they're not Jedis. They're not Sith. They're not people who help with the Force. They're people that help behind the scenes that kind of get forgotten about because you know what helped Luke Skywalker defeat the Death Star? Yeah, the Force, but also the engineers who helped build his X-Wing. Somebody had to build the the communications, all that stuff. And it gets forgotten about, and these people are the people that are kind of on the front lines, kind of getting the intel, finding the people and where they're at, so people with the Force can win, right? Whatever. Yeah. Or however they need to set it up. I mean, fuck, yeah. I mean, the Re- Jedi, the Rebels didn't always have Jedi with them either. So. Right. But, yeah, I mean, you get the idea that even though they're just a small piece, they have a big impact on this world overall, and that's kind of the fascinating part to me. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this, and I really like the animation style. Uh, the, I think the story itself was great from front to end. It, it, it like I said, it was like, like a snapshot in a, in a in a bigger story, and it left it open ended, and, and it gave me the original feeling of what Star Wars always did a good job of was like instilling hope. Like like at the end, you find out that this the character that she fought, who wasn't the general, actually it was her son, right? Um, she figured this out he told her and he she ended up placing a tracker on him unbeknownst to him and they kind of part ways because shit kind of goes down and it leaves the main the is this like 
the son who's part of the empire in question and like shambles trying to figure out what happened and then she's feeling hopeful because she found him like but they're worlds apart because they're you know she's obviously a rebel he's an empire yeah they can't be anywhere near each other to begin with but there's still hope right and i, I like that feeling at the end it's like yeah what happened you you saw him but you're nowhere near him but there's hope right i also like the idea like you said this is a story that we could they could literally build on this and actually make a full story out of it it's a very fascinating one only downside and this is a very very major minor downside sorry um like as a spy dancer like i get it that she's like able to fight and everything but they have this really intense fight scene and she's getting like shot at by like millions of people and getting hunted down by a droid and it's like at no point did i feel like she was actually going to get captured now maybe that's just because it was a short story or maybe that's just how the directing falls out but it's like at no point that i was like oh yeah they're gonna be able to get a hold of her i was just like i i never felt any concern whatsoever yeah i mean she did feel loose i honestly thought she was gonna die i i did think that they were gonna get her as she jumped off and you know but it's a stormtroopers dude they're not gonna hit her that's true they're so bad that's just an in-universe thing i don't know so, uh, anyway, but yeah, I mean, that's a very minor complaint. I, I like the story a lot, and yeah, if you like this one, you should check out Primal, because it's really good, too. Yeah, I can see, I really did like the animation, so I might have to check out Primal. Um, but yeah, that one's good. Moving on to one that probably didn't have as great of an animation. Well, I don't know. What was your take on The Bandits of Golok? So, yeah, The Bandits of Golok uh, was done by 88 Pictures. It's an Indian uh, animation studio. Uh, the director was Ishan Shukla, uh, Ishan Shukla, um, and I will say it's unique. It has a very—I've seen it before in like kitty animation, and they've done some like Disney-related animation. Well, they did uh, Veggie Tales, right? They've done some Veggie Tales too. Um, it's like very—it's too smooth. Like I don't know how to explain it. It's shiny. It's smooth. CGI-ish, and I don't—I don't like it. I think it's still good. Like it's just not my preferred animation style because of how much sheen is on the characters. Like I really do think like there's like a layer of sheen on them uh, that kind of shines. Yeah, I see what you're talking um, about. Now that I think about it, yeah. but you'll you'll see it when you when when you, if you watch it, you'll see that you'll notice it. You've seen it before. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I, one thing I did like about this is that they took their own spin as an Indian studio and went full deep into it like everything was indian inspired like the characters the settings even the food like i love that because that's the biggest thing about you know are you sure the food because the food was basically just lollipops <laughs> I, I think that candy was inspired was i think there was some was other it? things that were inspired i think i i, I did look, read some stuff and they said that the food was also inspired okay maybe um, so i don't know and it may have been at the end where they got to that like oasis place but um I like that aspect because that's the whole point of this. Is the whole point is to kind of see because Star Wars is so big, it is massive. I mean, it's not just a, a, a United States thing. It's not just an English or American thing or a, like you. What's it called? Like English speaking people thing. It's a massive like world unifying thing that people can love and cherish together. And it's good to see that Indians have their own take on it. Like the fact that they can have. You know, some inspiration and add it into their own flavor. Um, really love seeing that. So that was cool. Uh, it's another one of those straightforward kind of stories. I will say it doesn't necessarily 
tell you off the bat, it's kind of reminiscent of the Screechers Reach at the end. But basically, you know, you have this young girl who is strong in the force and she's very playful, upbeat, and that's kind of bad because she's using her force powers on display. And her brother knows the implication because he, you know, it's kind of like an empire controlled area and you can't really put yourself out there as someone who knows the force. Yeah. Um, so he's trying to like keep her hidden, trying to get away from any empire related activities. Uh, I guess they're both on this journey. You don't find out to the very end that they're on a journey for her to find someone to guide her. Um, and, uh, you know, through that, they kind of encounter a couple of, you know, I guess fun activities because they end up, like she, like I said, she ends up kind of showing off her powers in places where she shouldn't, and they get into sticky situations. Um, they end up having a, uh, what's it called, a lightsaber battle at the end between this older lady and this, what they call an inquisitor. Inquisitor. Um, and it was pretty good. I, th- I thought the, the, you know, the, the, the fight itself was in a cool setting. I will say the animation was you know, a little left. It, it got a little choppy at the end. Though. Yeah, it, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't very well. Like it was kind of like very like uh, Demon Slayer-ish lately, where it's like, ah, let me zoom out. Let me get like you moving fast. Yeah, with like some fast like, backgrounds. Focus on you, and then like you you move, but you kind of move in. The... Yeah, it wasn't very detailed, but it still looked good. And uh, shaded Demon Slayer. <laughs> And in general, it was, uh, you know, it's a good story. I liked it. It was very uh, wholesome because the brother and sister had a nice bond. And it left off in a situation where she had to kind of go her own way. And he supported that. And I like, especially this last one, like it supported the whole family dynamic. It supported that you kind of have to sometimes support people in their own way and not be there. Right. And yeah, I like Yeah, that. I like, woo, man, that. Really took it out of me. They, they, I liked it from that aspect. My biggest problem with this story, and it sucks because this is probably my like least favorite one, and not by a whole bunch, but because I really did not like the girl character. Fair enough. <laughs> it was a, it's a tough sell because like I like the idea of the story overall. We've seen kind of stories like this, and it works really well, and I like the way that's imparted. And frankly, I like the technology. The train setting was cool. Train setting was the, really the, cool. The, like, the, all the stuff with the, like, bandits riding after them, and the Inquisitor was really cool. Like, but you've seen stories like this before. It's kind of, like, reminiscent of, like, World War II trying to get, like, the Jewish people out before they get hunted down or kind of thing. This girl... Has no, like, concept of, like, it's being in danger at all. Yeah, you think, I could understand the first situation where she did it on the train, but after that, you think it's like, okay, I probably shouldn't use this. Well, the implication is their parents are already dead because of, I guess they were hunting her, so it's like, somebody needs to have a sit down with this girl and just be like... I do agree. It was a little ridiculous. You think she would understand after the first incident. But, yeah, I mean, like, I... Other than that, I think overall I really liked the story and the art. Given that all I knew about the studio was VeggieTales, I was kind of like, oh, this is actually really good. It kind of reminded me of Star Wars Rebels, maybe not quite on the same level. It seemed about the same, but so I was pretty impressed. But yeah, I just wish they had maybe like toned down the girls' eccentricities, maybe like a little bit, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree. All right. <clears throat> Episode 8, The Pit. Uh, so. You want to talk about this one? Yes, yeah, so The Pit was done by 
Uh, Diart, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Shtagio, S-H-T-A-G-I-O. It's actually a studio from Japan. The, the owner is actually an American guy who moved to Japan. Um, and the director was Leon, Leandre Thomas and Justin Ridge, who I, was, I think Justin Ridge was involved with Star Wars Resistance, and he, I think, had directed all of Star Wars Resistance. So he was involved with that, if you've seen that Star Wars, uh, you know, short, I guess, uh, other stories. Um, and I, I think Leandre Thomas, or maybe both of them, are actually Lucasfilm um, employees, employees as well, yeah. or ex-employees. But, so they've, involved, they've been involved with the Star Wars universe. Um, so this one is called The Pit, and it was probably the darkest, the most uh, on-the-nose social commentary and also the most different art style of the bunch i think yeah maybe not the different art style i just think it was a. Uh, it felt like it was Af- a different art style it There's was a lot of different art style. it was a very unique art style it was like afro samurai so if you yeah. know when i describe that it's like it's got that anime feel but it's definitely like also simultaneously not anime because of the way yeah, kind of like the boondocks yeah afro samurai had that feel um, um, I mean, this one I struggle to talk about because I really like the message and I kind of like the idea of it overall. I just have so many problems in general with the story where it's kind of like, like the, the basic principle is they're digging for kyber crystals. Who cares? They're digging. They're being forced to dig as slaves. They dig down in the pit and then they dig all the way to the bottom. They empty it out and the Empire's like, okay, fine. And then they just leave them there and they're just stuck in this pit. Um, and then a guy climbs out to try and get to the rescue. So it's it's just like, I have problems with this from, you You were there. I was shouting at the screen the entire time, just dig your way out, guys. It's like, they left you with all the tools and equipment. Yeah, you can build a ramp. Uh, yeah, or they, you can figure out something. And then, like, there's also... I think it was just a dark story. It was kind of a depressing story. And I think I got... I, I don't remember, but I feel like I yelled at the end when she fucking levitated the Kaiba crystal. And I was like, fuck you. Why do you even need that? That was bullshit. Yeah, I will say, um, this is one of the stories where it's completely independent of Star Wars. Um, you wouldn't even think that it was from Star Wars. You can say that's a complaint. I like that, that it's necessarily in, in kind of away from the Star Wars universe, or at least the close part. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, was, there wasn't there was much uniqueness to it when it came to, like, the world. Okay, so the commentary was on what I would call kind of like Black America, right? Like, you know, the main characters, pretty much everyone in the pit, most everyone was black. And they put them into slave situations, they, the guy came out and said, hey, I need help. The Empire shot him, and then they killed him by throwing him back into the pit. But to be fair, he did get the help that he needed once people realized... He did. He was a martyr, yeah, right? Yeah. He, he died for that cause. He did help them. Uh, he did say, like, hey, you know, just... you know, th- There was a little chant kind of saying that he told them, and it kind of became this chant to kind of help them. Kind of on the nose, a little cheesy in my book. But you know, I think that what this story tries to tell is important because... Yes, I think that that part of America, especially, is is completely you know ignored. I think that that part of America is something that we have a problem, and it's sometimes not talked about enough. So I think it's good to kind of tell that story, but I thought it was too on the nose. Well, like, I, I, I don't also, think it was like like you could have done that with aliens. You didn't necessarily have to make them black, but I, I'm okay with that. But I, it's just like there were no aliens involved; it well, was all humans. 
I kind of liked also like the other side of the message, which was kind of like that everybody else had kind of given up and was like, well, don't put your faith in others. And the guy actually goes and like asks for help. And granted, it's not from like the Imperial people, but he gets help, even though it ends up getting him killed from the bad people. But he does get the help he needs because he's willing to go out and reach out, which is a nice message to like be like, don't be afraid. There are kind people out there, even though there are also, you know, terrible people. But it's just there was so much like it was very on the nose as you pointed out it was very kind of bleak honestly like even though they got out the whole idea was kind of like you know i've been on a real kick of like i got a lot of shit going on in my life i don't need like the guy didn't have to die horribly they just chuck him to the bottom of the pit i i'm okay with that because i i think it's okay to have that bleakness because that's the reality like i i love situations like that because that's the reality in america that's just what happens we can't ignore it but it is too on the nose. I don't necessarily like on the nose stuff all the time, I, I, especially if it's a short story. Like, it, and I didn't really think about this, but I guess the other part of it was is like it was just very slow, and there wasn't anything. There wasn't any action to kind of get me like excited about it. So even though it was a good message, it kind of felt like I was watching, you know, like more of an infomercial. I will say that because. Yeah. They said that they purposely didn't use a lot of voice actors to kind of keep it a little bit more somber. They only had like three voice actors, and I don't, I don't count the, uh, I don't, I think I count maybe one troop trooper. Yeah. Um, but they said they kept that to kind of, kind of, to not distract from the message, which I, I think works, but it does kind of hurt it in some aspects. Which I think you're right. It kind of felt choppy and disjointed and not necessarily smooth. And just kind of slow. And again, and I will stand by this 100%. I hate when shorts do this. It's like, I get it. It's in the Star Wars universe. Nobody had to be a Jedi. Jedi had nothing to do with any of this. And then right at the end, they're like, oh, look, this girl can use the Force. And I was like, I don't understand how that contributed anything to the story. So It didn't. I, I don't know. I just thought that was kind That's of That's just bullshit. a small thing. But yeah, I, I agree. Like, you didn't have to sell it back to that. Um but I like the story. I like the. I like what they were going for. Um, I think. I think. I, I. I applaud Disney for not censoring that because I. I really do feel like something that that on the nose would have been like. Nah, this is too much. Let's let's tone it down a little bit. So yeah, I, for, I do. I do like that aspect. For all my complaints, I actually kind of like the story more than I like the Bandits one because at least it took a swing. It did. Something. It did. It didn't. It didn't, like, hit a home run, but I'm like, it took a big swing at it. So, like, I respect it. I, I just, I'm like, there were a lot of, for what could have been a really good story, there were a lot of little things that just kind of made it It could have definitely been work. done better. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't say I would have done it better. But yeah. I think it could have been smoother. But. It is what it is. All right. So now we're on to number nine, the last one. Owls? <laughs> Owls song? Yeah, Owls song. Uh, this is done by Triggerfish Studio, who's a South African uh, studio, and uh, the directors are Nadia D- Darius and Daniel Clark. I don't know much about Triggerfish Studio. Uh, I couldn't find like big stuff with theirs, but honestly, this one ended up when I rewatched it being another of my top contenders, maybe three or four, just because it, the art style is so unique. It has a very uh, the one thing that came to mind was it has a very um, Yoshi's Yarn World feel to it. I don't know if you yeah. ever played that, but 
I was I gonna love s- that. I love that art style. I, I was just- gonna say it was like, uh, gosh, what was that? What's that? Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, yeah, it has a little bit of Animal yeah, Crossing. But you're right, Yoshi's yarn village makes much more sense. Yeah, and it, it's it's so cute. It's so wholesome, and the story itself was also cute and wholesome. Um, and I thought it was great. And I thought the biggest thing they did is they they world built. They were so gorgeous. The scenes were great. The plants, the 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 village, like everything about the story and every shot was I thought was gorgeous. Like it's one thing to just make like a story that looks good, but this was like they took the minutes to take the de- to like go into details like of the the plants that were there, the 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 mountains that were there. And I think that's a big deal because when I looked it up the the directors wanted to do that because they wanted to instill a little bit of South Africa and they said they took some mountains from South Africa and kind of used that as inspiration. Obviously, makes, mining is a big deal. That makes a lot of sense. And then also, they said that they really wanted to focus on certain plants that were from South Africa. And I could tell they really did because they had a ton of different style of plants there. And it wasn't just like, a, oh, it's a flower. No, it's like a different type of flower. In every shot, it looked different. It, it looked amazing. And that's just the animation style. Uh, the story itself was pretty basic, uh, kind of a young little girl finding her way story um which seems kind of a repetition here um but she essentially is like this girl who has this power to purify kyber crystals again yes we're coming back to star wars with kyber crystals but she's not a jedi and i like that i like that she wasn't necessarily a jedi at least they don't necessarily say she's a jedi but she has this different power that connects to the star wars universe yeah i also like that they don't necessarily spell out what her power is i mean like as a person watching the story if you're familiar with stories you kind of got an idea it's like oh she can purify kyber crystals for use because that makes sense but, like, in story, you don't really know what she's doing. She's singing, and it's just making everything kind of, like, go off the walls. And yeah. you're like, what is happening here? So it's like, I like that they don't spell it out in-universe. And I like that the characters seem to be going, I think... I, I like that, the as you pointed out, she's not necessarily a Jedi. And I think it leads to this idea that she has to get training, but maybe not necessarily as a Jedi. More, she's almost kind of, like, more like a scientist or kind of like a... Yeah. Whatever, where she can kind of like do these things that no one else is capable of. And I also really liked her interplay, not only with her dad, because the dad was a big factor. That is the um, story, yeah. But I, I liked her interplay with everybody else in the village, is kind of like she's doing what she can to help and she's interacting with all these people and kind of like making her own way. And it was actually incredibly terrifying watching her try to climb those fucking mountains. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I, I got a kick out of this one more so from the creativity of just the ideas. Like, again, this is like, this is probably not really Star Wars because it's, it's about like kyber crystals getting mined in these big weird mountains on this planet, but they're all corrupted and it's like... All that makes no sense for anybody who's like Star Wars canonical, but in the story itself, it worked really well, and I, I was surprised at how well it came together, because I, I thought, based on the art style, I was just going to be like, oh, it's some kiddie nonsense. It was actually a really good story. Yeah, yeah. I did like it, and you made a, a good note that the story is basically the, the, the relationship between the girl, Ahu, and her father, who her father is, I think, I, I'm assuming they're, they've lost the mother, or the mother's not in the picture, and, uh, you know, they... His, his dad is a minor, and his daughter um, 
seems to kind of get into situations that are troublesome. I think that's what they alluded to. Uh, but obviously the dad is protective, wants her to stay out of trouble, wants her to stay, you know, safe. Um, but uh, but you can tell that this girl's meant for bigger things. She's she's not meant to just kind of sit. Um, and she kind of gets into a situation where it puts her in danger. And the father kind of has to deal with that. And uh, at the end, you kind of figure out that she's meant for bigger things. And there's a Jedi involved with the story, not necessarily drives the story. Um, and she's kind of going with her to help her train for other stuff. Again, we don't know what for. But the father at the end of the story was really supportive. I thought it was going to be like a, no, you can't do this kind of... No, it's another one just like the the Bandits of Golok, where at the end, it's a tough situation, but the family member, in this case the father, is fully supportive, understanding that his daughter has this ability, understanding that she has a bigger role than what yeah, any of his bigger... past ancestors have ever done because he even made a sense he even made the note like hey you are the first of our kind to leave the planet like it's a big deal and he didn't have this whole like i can't have you leaving you can't be unsafe i thought it was really cool that i was empowering that he was he was like go go do your own thing you obviously have yeah. a bigger future than what's here I, th- I i i love that little interplay and i just fucking love that I mean, just how long they, how well they got along, yeah, was fucking endearing. And even yeah. though he clearly cares about her and wants her to be safe, I think really the lesson, in a way, he was more the protagonist. He was the one who had to kind of come to the arc and the realization of like, I gotta let her go and do her own thing because she is meant for more. And now I'm got all teary. Shit, it's cute, and I thought it was a great send off. I thought it was a great last episode. It's definitely in my top four or five. Um, but yeah, that was uh, Ao's song. And that was the end of the nine episodes. I thought overall great, better than this first season. And that is impressive because I really enjoyed the first season. And I was excited to see how other 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 countries would do animation and, and do Star Wars. And I think they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I think we hit on this earlier. I love the fucking creativity. Holy shit. I'm so glad... That they're letting other studios try this, and they're coming up with their own unique stories. I love what they're doing with the art. They're getting so far out there. And I think this, whoever came up with this idea, is brilliant. Because it's showing us a lot of unique things that we wouldn't have seen in this universe. It's showing us, like, introducing us to a lot of unique art styles that we may not have seen necessarily if we just stayed in our anime category. And I think it's... Telling a lot of cool stories. I can't wait for season three. It's out. It's been announced, so I Jeez. guess it's gonna happen. So I guess I'll have to wait for May fourth of twenty twenty four. I think they always do that. Is that? Yeah, I don't know if that's what they're gonna do, but we'll find out. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I hope that was our kind of a review of that entire season. I know that was a, a lot, but it was it was uh, it was good. I uh, hope you guys watch it and enjoy it. Uh, and uh, let us know if you yeah. guys have email any... us your thoughts yeah. at raleighanime at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, with that said, let's, we got one more thing to talk about. Let's get into the manga. Yeah, of our... the... You are so excited. Do you want to describe the manga of the... Uh... Can you uh, tell me the title? Isn't it like Suku Michi... Yeah, I, think, I, I believe it's actually... Moonlight the... Fantasy? Yeah, it's a Moonlit Journey Across Another World. Is okay. I, I think the English translation... So yeah, it's uh, as some of you may know, it is an actual anime. Uh, I think season one was done maybe like a year ago. Um, yeah, I think it was last year, give or take. Yeah. So season one was done, but we read the manga. I uh, read the first, you know, ten or so chapters. 
Uh, and it's so far, it seems like your generic um, uh, isekai. Uh, this guy gets isekai into a world. Uh, I will say, it was he was isekai differently, which first kind of got me interested. They didn't really touch on that right away, but I think that's something that makes it unique. Was that he was isekai because his parents are actually from that world. His he wasn't dead. He wasn't brought because his parents like just made, made some contract. Deal, they did yeah. make a deal, but it was because they left that world. And they said, hey, they'd have to have something sent back at some point. So he got sent back to their original world, which was a obviously like an isekai world full of you know creatures and magic and battles and stuff like that. Um, but another kind of, I guess, thing that is different, he gets isekai and when he meets like this god or deity that gives him powers, at least one of the gods, she is so repulsed by his his looks, which kind of is a, it's also a thing that's done in um, Uncle Isekai, Isekai Uncle. Yeah. Um, where like they kind of play on the fact that it's so hideous. Like, yeah, like it's like a god. It's, it's like a parody of uh, Isekai's itself because Isekai's usually the main characters, like the 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 most overpowered, the uh, the guy that's like the center of all the girls' attention. And this guy's not ugly. They just kind of play on the fact that he's not generic looking, and he is maybe not the most like. It's it's like he's like dark haired and kind of short. I can't tell because it's animation, but they basically imply that it's not really that he's ugly. It's that everybody else in the world that he's going to is just fucking drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. He's he's just not to the standard of that world. So yeah. the god is actually just boots him. He's just like you know. Just get you can stay in my world, but don't get involved. Um, but he did have a, an encounter with the, another goddess, uh, Suka Suka Sukahime, who is the god of the moon in yes. our world. She, he gave him some powers, so he already he does have some powers, and he has a heads up of what's going on. So he gets kicked into this world, and he basically goes from there. His plan is to help other guy, two other guys that were also Isekai'd and to kind of learn about his, you know, genealogy because he is technically from that world. His parents are natives of that world. He was born in the real world. Actually, we don't know. Maybe he was born there or not. But he's, you know, a actual creature from that world. He has blood that belongs to that world and I think he's, he's he wants to learn more about it. So I think that's unique. I do like that aspect. Um, I will say that the first few chapters were pretty generic about him meeting goblins or orcs or whatever, him finding out how to use his powers, him finding out he's a little OP, though they do kind of make a big deal of like saying he's not fully broken. He has a small amount of space where he can be broken, so limits it. Okay. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the shtick. I think it has some unique touches on it from an isekai standpoint that made it more unique than your other isekai. Yeah, I I, I, I I will agree. There are some touches that are different, and you said that further into the story they get more. It gets a little bit more unique. So I, I will not say that it's super generic. Okay. Yeah, I think part of the problem is like with a lot of these, it takes a while to develop. But it's also kind of like I think it hit. It started hitting on a lot of the tropes that I don't think you're a big fan of, like all the. You start getting the dragon turning into a girl, and then the spider turning into a girl, and then like all the other. Now he's got a harem of women. All of a sudden, yeah, a harem of women. Like yeah. the the whole the whole world building of Isekai, I'm over. Like I don't care about orcs. I don't care about goblins. I don't like that stuff. Doesn't impress me anymore. Like I'm I've, like, I think I've just outgrown that. I, I wasn't into anime that much when I was into those aspects. So now that yeah. I'm out of that, I don't care. 
I'll be honest, I kind of picked this one because I was in a rush and I just was like, what's... Like, that's why I was looking on my phone a second ago. I'm trying to find that manga for next week, next recording. But, yeah, so I picked this one, and I was like, yeah, this one has an anime. Let's check it out and see what you think. No, and I I, 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 I was on the fence, which is a lot better than most Isekais. Most Isekais, I'm just like, I don't fucking like this. Yeah, I like the art style. I like the character designs. I like the fact that our character isn't just your generic, like, use a sword, overpowered bullshit. But yeah, I mean, it's still well, it's kind true. Of, That's it's another thing. Like he doesn't guy. use a sword. He he's he's reminds me of like uh, like Midoriya from like um, um, my hero, where he's like more analytical about you know a battle. Kind of likes to look at it and then analyze and then kind of go into it. Um, I like that he doesn't look like your generic uh, main character. Um, it, it is different, but it's not enough for me to be like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, but there are differences. I don't want to sit there and say there's not. There are. Um, I was. I do like the magic. One thing I did like was the magic and how it's used. The way the guy drew it in the manga. I don't know if the anime does a good job of this, but I think, I think so. the yeah. anime, the the art style for when he uses magic in battles looks good. And I, I did like it. I was like, okay, this looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I think they did a good job with that overall. And I think there was some unique magic that you don't see in every kind of story. But yeah. Again, generic isekai. So, I think it was. I think it's a good one, and I do recommend checking it out. I just don't think it's everybody's cup of tea. So, yep. And what, what's your notes on the anime? Have they done a good job? I think they translated well. They've done. It is the anime. I would say comparatively to the manga, the manga starts actually very slow. The anime, like probably all the shit you read, was like in the first episode. They go fast. They are like we are getting. All this out of the way. Honestly, that uh, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, they... Like, I think currently it's... The manga is like on chapter like 90 or 100 or something. And they've basically caught up to it in the anime in the what? first season. Yeah, and it's only... It's like 13 episodes. It's just like, holy shit. They are, like, they are fucking around. But, um... Yeah, and they've already got the second season announced. Because I think it's based off a light novel, so I think they're just rolling okay. with what that is. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously it's popular, and I think a lot of people like the story behind it. But yeah, it's an isekai. You're going to get a lot of the same kind of junk. You it might get. be one that people like, though. I'm not going to say it's an isekai that's generic. Yeah, but uh, you are going to have those tropes, so it is what it is. Well, for my next recommendation, I actually looked up one that isn't an isekai, so you got that to look forward Thank to. Thank God. Have you heard of Beat and Motion? It's. I want to say yes. I don't know where, but I feel like I've heard that title before. This is one of the new ones that just came out on Shueisha. It's currently only got eight chapters, so on the plus side, you won't have to read very much. But I've been, I've been fascinated by the story, so I'm kind of curious to see what you'll think of it. Oh, this is the one where they uh, making a manga, right? Uh, they're making, I believe, an anime or an anime music. Okay, video? I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, then, yeah. I, I only eight, eight chapters, so we'll only get a very small little in, intro. But uh, yeah, it looks I sweet. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, um, and then we'll be doing that for our next one, which I guess we'll be probably wrapping up this season. Yeah, it comes around the we corner. will come back to this season because I think it's a great season. It's close to finishing. I think a few of them are finishing in the next couple weeks. So uh, I know it's been a while since we've talked about actual anime, but we'll come back and we'll have plenty to talk about. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, thanks again for our listeners to tuning in.
to our listeners for tuning in. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thanks for listening, fucks. Anyway, fucks. They're not going to listen now. You're insulting them. Unless they're from Baston. Ah, yep. shit, dude. A cousin from Boston? Yeah. <laughs> I don't do a good Boston accent. No, that was terrible. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for sending through that, and y'all have a good rest of your week. If you get any questions or comments about how I don't do a good Boston accent, shoot us an email at raleighanime at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, y'all have a good one. Bye. Where is my mouse?